If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Monday, September 13th, 2021. I'm on your host, Blessing, Adiolier Jr. Joining me is LaCroix Poppy himself, Tim Gettys. See, I like that a lot better. That feels good to me. That feels That's accurate. That feels, you like that yes, better than I can, what? I can, better than any things we're not going to talk about. But I, I like I like the LaCroix Poppy for sure. I appreciate that, Bless. And also, I, I know it's going to get trite at some point, but I don't care. You're looking fucking awesome. The hair, the polo. Appreciate I love it. that you always are rocking the polo. You got to make this your thing. You're, you're already kind of doing it. But I feel like oh, now yeah. that you have the hair too, it's it's turning into a vibe, bless. It's definitely a it different up. vibe than, I'm, than what I'm used to. Like, I feel like I'm converting into, into a different person almost, right? Like, with, like, the different styles. And I'm digging it. Though it's hard mm -hmm. to dig it when you are on the opposite side wearing your leather, wearing wearing your, of course, dope-ass hair. I got it. Like, you, you look know, great I need today. The hair. You need to do that. Thank you. you. Thank today. you very much. I mean, look at us. Tim, a couple you, of cute you, boys. You, like, fully become the bad guy from Doug. And I appreciate that. Roger Potts. <laughs> oh, what I'll, percent? I'll take it. I'll take it. You know what I mean? And I'm Doug in the scenario, by the way. <laughs> yeah, you're like <laughs> fresh to death, Doug. <laughs> no, you're more of a you're skeeter, like, right? You're, like, you're, you're, you're cool. Right now, you're more Dougie fresh than Doug funny. You know what I mean? I don't know if I would. I don't know if I would describe my current style as cool. Mainly the polo. Like polos aren't cool. I know, but like what? that You're makes them, them cool. Back. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. I guess. I don't know. I feel like I'm oh, doing you too might, much. Don't act like you're all coy about it. You know what you're doing. Tim, how are you doing? I'm doing so good. You so have a good, good weekend. Plus. Oh, I had a great weekend, but it's an even better week now that I'm starting it off with you. Oh, yeah, Tim, you're about to have a great Monday because we're going to talk about Deathloop reviews being up, Fortnite being invaded by cubes, and more because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and week at 10 a.m. live right here on Twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. If you're watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games, roosterteeth.com, or you can listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for kind of funny games daily to be a part of the show to patreon.com slash kind of funny games or bronze members or above get to write in and silver members or above get the show ad free with the exclusive daily post show housekeeping for you our death loop review is up right now it's a kind of funny games cast featuring game spots to more hussein who gave it a 10 and ps i love you xoxo's janet garcia it's an in-depth a spoiler-free review, and it's up right now uh, on youtube.com slash games and on podcast services around the globe. And then also a reminder that it's September on Twitch. Viewers across the platform throughout the month can take advantage of 20% off subscriptions and for first-time subscribers uh, and gifted subs. Your support means the world to us here at Kind of Funny, and right now you can take advantage of this deal and receive benefits like ad-free viewing, sub emotes, and more. Thank you to our Patreon producers, the kind of funny Destiny 2 PC clan, and Blackjack. Today we're brought to you by DoorDash and Canva, but we'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin with what is, and forever will be, the Roper Report.
It's time for some news. We have five stories today. A bigger's dozen. Starting with our number one, the big one. This morning, Deathloop reviews went up. We have a Deathloop review roundup. Right now, the game's sitting on Metacritic at an 88, uh, and an 88 as well on Open Critic. I'm going to start off with Matt Purcell at IGN, who gave it a perfect score. 10 out of 10 and says, despite wow. its seemingly endless complexities, Deathloop is one of the most confidently designed games I've ever played. Arcane Studios has crafted a world made of ideas linked by meaningful connections. Time influences space, space influences tactics, and tactics influence loadouts. Its unique high-concept ideas around time loops and non-linear investigation work are implemented with elegance, making its systems feel effortless uh, to navigate, learn from, and ultimately master. A new high watermark for Arcane and developers of similar games to aspire to, Deathloop is a game like no other. Tamar Hussein at GameSpot, who of course you can check out on the Kind of Funny Gamescast that went up this morning, gave it a 10 out of 10 and says perhaps the most laudable part of Deathloop is how it takes so many seemingly disparate things and creates harmony between them. Gameplay systems that feel isolated become pieces of a bigger puzzle, and when you see they, when you when you see how they seamlessly connect together, you realize how special an achievement it really is. Similarly, on paper, different aesthetics should be like oil and water, but they come together effortlessly to be part of a greater whole, and for me, that's what Deathloop is all about. And then Phil Savage at PC Gamer gave it an 89 out of 100 and says, Deathloop is all about what happens when things don't go to plan, about panic and improvisation, about learning from a mistake and taking those lessons forward. Trapped in a time loop, it doesn't matter if you botch your way through combat, uh, botch your way through combat encounter after combat encounter. It doesn't even matter if you die and get kicked back to the beginning of a day. All that matters is that in doing so, you gain some information that'll help you in the next time around. For the first few hours of Deathloop, I was more interested in it as as Arcane's response to Dishonored, a series that I love. I was enjoying myself and looking forward to uncovering mysteries of the island, but was more intrigued by what Arcane was saying about the genre as a whole and about the way people played its previous games. At every stage, the game is telling you not to worry. Enjoy yourself. Don't sweat the mistakes. It wasn't until another player invaded my game that it all clicked together and I started enjoying Deathloop on its own terms. Tim, ma, fucking Gettys, one, have you tried out Deathloop at all? Have you started it? Two, what do these what do these reviews do for your hype for the game? I am about an hour and a half in. I am enjoying the absolute hell out of the game. And these reviews just confirm how hyped I am about the game and completing the game. I'm so stoked to go back now. Like it my first hour and a half, I'm like, this thing is real special, but is it going to be 10 out of 10 special? I wasn't so sure. Hearing Tam talk about it this way and getting a 10 from IGN and GameSpot. And like, GameSpot. This, that is a big, big deal. They do not give out that many 10s. I think in IGN's history, there's like 30 10 out of 10s total. Like that, that is a very, very big deal. So, and also uh, there's very few people I respect more than Tam when it comes to video games or pretty much anything else in life. Yeah. So, I mean, especially stealth games, right? Like Tam is, has uh, been along for our whole Metal Gear Solid playthrough and hearing Tam point out all the intricacies of the stealth design and like the story in Kojima and all that stuff. But specifically, like him pointing out, hey, this is how the AI goes through goes through each room and clears out before they go back to doing their tasks. Here's how like Kojima innovated stealth in, in X, Y, and Z way. If there's somebody who I'm gonna trust in an opinion regarding stealth games, Tamar Hussein is the dude. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think my favorite quote here is actually from Phil Savage at uh, PC Gamer saying, at every stage, the game's telling you not to worry, enjoy yourself, don't sweat the mistakes. And even early in the game, I definitely get that vibe where it is 
about having fun and kind of just using the different systems as they're kind of coming at you and learning the systems itself has been fun on top of that like uh, as i said when we did our preview back in the day but now playing through it and actually seeing things in context i love the dialogue i love the way this game is written and it's just kind of like relentless in how much it's thrown at you uh with with characters with just these little moments with just dumb little funny bits and things that are happening in in, in the world that like make it feel very unique like we've seen the the trailer i don't know 3,000 times already. It's some variation of a gameplay demo of this game over the last couple of years. Um, but the fact that playing it still feels fresh and it feels like things that we haven't seen before, even if we've seen moments, the context they're in is so much bigger and better than I've expected so far that like I'm so happy to hear this news. Are you at a place where it makes sense now? Like what they've been pitching through the trailers and through the previews? Because I know for the longest time, when we did our, our hands-off preview back in spring, we all came back and talked about it on Gamescast and we we're all like, yeah, no, the game looks really awesome. It looks really cool. We're even more confused about how it works now. But I know for me and for plenty of people having beat it now, it, it's come together way more. For you, being an hour and a half in, do, do you feel like it makes sense now? Or are you still trying to get no. a grasp on what it is? No, I'm, I'm still very much in the getting a grasp of it all. But That's like, fair. it's they, they're doing a good job. Like, I feel like any question I have is a question they want me to be asking right it's not like i'm like trying to get ahead of this thing it's like the game is extremely well designed for moment to moment keep you satisfied with a loop <laughs> of like hey you're asking this question here's this answer and sometimes they'll give you it like immediately like with the use of the words popping up on the uh the screen in front of you and stuff like i love where i'm like what's going on with that like there's mystery upon mystery but it doesn't feel overwhelming. It feels kind of intentional. And that's the, the best type of mystery is one where you know there's a good answer at the end. And to me, that's what excites me most about these 10 out of 10 scores is, oh, it comes together well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially for where you're at in the game right now. The game does a good job. We talked about this on the Gamescast review about the game being surprisingly handholdy, but in a good way where when the game eventually opens up, it tracks pretty much every single lead that you're on because the whole premise of the game, of course, is that you're trying to take out the eight visionaries of the island. And so you're trying to you're trying to set up these dominoes, dominoes in a way where you can take them all out in one day. But without how handholdy the game is, you wouldn't be able to like set all that up without like having a copious amount of notes and like trying to keep up with things in a way that would just be impossible. But when the game opens up, the game does a good job of, of holding your hand in that way. In the first few hours, the game is fairly even way more handholdy than even like once once it opens up, right? Like you are right now, it sounds like you're on the tutorial path of the game being like, okay, no, this is what a loop is. Here we're gonna we're gonna slowly introduce what uh you know reprises which allows you to come back to life a couple times we're also we're going to introduce you uh residuum which allows you to to keep items between runs and all these things right like the game is slowly onboarding you in a way that it lasts for a few for a couple hours in the beginning but it's ve it's very necessary because once the game opens up it opens up in a way that i've not seen a game structured similarly whatsoever mm. right like the the time loop mechanic you know we're in we're in the year of time loops right now right when you look at returnal when you look at forgotten city when you look at 12 minutes and all these games function similarly but differently in ways where you know 12 minutes and forgotten city are both games that are essentially puzzle games where you're using the loop in order to restart you know npc uh, uh routines and so you can follow them and track all these things but they do that in very different ways right returnal is a roguelite right and it's 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 loop stuff is very much narrative based this game uses its time loop as a setup for hey like you know in in any in any like open game where you have side quests and you have leads and all this stuff 
you know, you are fast traveling throughout your map. You are going to the uh, using Breath of the Wild for an example, right? Like you're going to the to the Great Plateau for a specific uh, quest, or you're going to uh, the Lanayru uh, region for a specific quest. Deathloop kind of does the same thing, except it's like, hey, you're going to this district at noon to t- to chase this lead. You're going to this other district. Uh, at evening to chase this lead and it's very interesting in how that stuff plays out and how each loop you kind of have to pay attention to the items you have and figure out all right i want to keep this gun and uh you know i want to keep this slab because these are going to be very very uh, uh powerful for me in the future and it's really interesting and i think people are going to have a fun time coming to terms with exactly how it works and then having fun with it i think that's the best thing that the game does plus i have two questions for you you What's have up? beaten it as well correct yes i have how long is it and would you give it a 10 out of 10 who so for how long is it that's an interesting question because for me in my playthrough it took 17 hours but i couldn't tell if that was going to be the, the average playthrough like in the way that the game is set up it feels like you can tackle it i mean you can tackle it any way you can and that comes down to you have a list of leads and you can you know you can take it lead branch by lead branch or you can just go about it day by day and just do the leads that are available for uh, to you at any point in the day and so in the ways that i was tackling it there were times where i was like i could be doing this smarter i feel like i'm not you know like stacking leads on certain days in, in, in ways that would make them go by quicker right like what if i could knock out x y and z thing in one go and then come back in the next part of the day and do uh, a different thing. You know, I feel like I wasn't doing that too smartly. And so I feel like some people are probably going to complete it quicker. I want to say Tamor beat it in like 11 hours. And when Janet was talking about it, she she seemed like she was still fairly early. And that was her in like, I want to say 11 or 12 hours as well. And so like, you know, for me, it took me 17 hours, but I think that mileage may vary. Regarding the 10 out of 10 question, I don't know, honestly. You know, like I can see the argument for 10 out of 10. I know when Tamor said 10 out of 10 during the review, I was a bit, I was shocked. I was like, oh shit, like, yeah, he did it, right? And waking up today and seeing IGN as well gave it a 10 out of 10. I was like, oh shit, all right, damn. Like, people are really digging this thing. I think I would probably be more in, like, the 9.5 range, 9.6 range. For me, my biggest critique with it is that in my last third with the game, it kind of overstayed its welcome in a way where I had unlocked all the weapons that I felt like I needed to unlock. You know, I was finding a lot of repeat items. I felt like I I felt like I had overseen the mileage that I gotten in terms of actually leveling up and powering up. And at that point, it was just me trying to get to the end of the game. And that felt way less interesting than the first third where I was trying to understand it, the middle third where I was really playing around with these elements and, you know, figuring out cool ways in which to play around and have you know, my player choice, my player, my freedom to play actually means something. And in that last third, it was very much me being like, all right, I'm done. Like, let me, I'm, I'm barreling toward the end. You know, I'm ready to do the final bit. I'm ready to line these things up, but it's taken me a while to just fin- finish up the leads. Um, and that said, right, like, I think a lot of that comes down to me comparing the game to something like MGS5, which I would say is my favorite stealth game ever. The, I would say is the best stealth game. We're talking about stealth gameplay. MGS5, I would say, is the best stealth game ever made. And the fact that I'm comparing this game to that, I think, you know, puts it in its own league by itself. But because I'm comparing this game to that, I look at certain things like how in MGS5, you know, if you're shooting people in the head later on, the the game will adapt to that and make its soldiers start wearing helmets, right? Like, you can... There's a certain level of freedom and reaction and, like, weather effects and, and systems at play in MGS5 that... I think could benefit Deathloop so well in a Deathloop 2. And I mm. think 
for me, if Deathloop 1 is a 9.5 out of 10, Deathloop 2 for sure is going to be a 10 out of 10 because now they've set up this thing that feels truly unique and original, and I can easily see them layering on top even more systems that take it from being like, all right, you guys pitched the idea, and the idea is fabulous, and now let's take this and turn it into something that people are going to like go crazy over because you know they put in X, Y, and Z thing that they've seen other developers do or they've, or they've learned over the course of making this game. Yeah, wow. Yeah. No, like, it's it's for sure, like, if we're talking about game of the year, it's for sure at the top of my list. I almost put out a joke uh, or a tweet jokingly about, like, Deathloop, Life is Strange, or Eternal fighting for the top spot in my game of the year. And that's what it feels like right now. Like, any of those, I can make the argument for number one for me, right? Like, the Life is Strange story is, is, you know, my favorite story of the year. Returnal, the gameplay loop there, and, like, the visuals and audio and all that stuff there is, like, you know, top notch. And then Deathloop probably has my favorite, I guess, gameplay loop uh, in a game. And so, like, you know, it's this year, it's easy to it's easy to look at the slate of games and go, ah, it's a chill year. Oh, like this year doesn't compare. But like for me, it very much is another 2019 in terms of there are a lot of cool different types of games and they're going to hit hard for audiences of those games. So if you're a if you're a stealth or a arcane person, Deathloop is like that Deathloop will be a 10 out of 10 for you. Right. Like if you're a roguelite person, Returnal is your game. If you're this if you're a narrative person, Life Strange is your game. Uh, and so, like Deathloop, I'm very excited for people to check out and actually play because a lot of people are going to like this game. Hell yeah! Uh, Tim, I want to bring mm-hmm. in a question from Grezik, who writes into Patreon.com/slash Kind of Funny Games and says, "Good morning, all. Deathloop reviews are dropping, and it's doing fantastic. This marks the second game in a row from a Microsoft-owned studio that is getting touted as a Game of the Year contender." While both Deathloop and Psychonauts 2 were started prior to their studio's acquisition by Microsoft, they, at the very least, speak to what Double Fine and Arcane are capable of. Does this at all move the needle on your perception of the quality of games to expect from Microsoft's internal studios, or do you think we should wait until games created wholly under Microsoft's ownership are released before making that judgment? Thanks for all you do. Grezik. Tim. What does this do for you in Microsoft Studios and that uh, the the Thanos Infinity Gauntlet of studios that Microsoft is holding right now? I mean, look, it is undeniable that there is insane talent there that are actively putting out video games. And I think that that is uh, a very good sign because for a long time, that wasn't the case when we look at Xbox Game Studios. And now, unfortunately, they're in that place where both those games so far are either not on the xbox consoles or at least not exclusive to the xbox consoles and to some extent that doesn't matter but when we're talking about the context of this question like it is it is fueling the the you choose a side right like i don't necessarily want to call it the console wars but it's just like it is comparing playstation's output to xbox's output and i think that there's a, a lot to consider there. I, I think that these being game of the year things, you even just said it yourself, like it's game of the year in a 2019 type year, but not in a 2017 or 2018. Like we're, we still haven't seen the God of War 10 out of 10 or the Breath of the Wild 10 out of 10 from these Xbox game studios in, in a very long time, and at least not this generation. That I think is the bigger question of, will we ever see those? The other question is, do we ever need to see those? And I don't think we do. I think that obviously it Microsoft Microsoft's doing its own thing, just like Nintendo is, just like Sony is. And I think those things are all gonna work in synergy. Uh, it's really interesting that Arcane is already putting out uh, Redfall, right? Like that is yeah. announced, that is going to be an Xbox title. So I think that that is going to be a 
bigger sign of an answer to this question, right? Because that is going to be from the ground up with with Game Pass in mind and all that. How is Game Pass going to affect these games and how the how they're made? It's going to, and it already is. So I really wonder, and I don't think that's a bad thing, but again, I do think that at some point, it's silly for us to keep going back and expecting Microsoft to pull out these giant narrative-based third-person action-adventure games that are trying to hit that 10 out of 10 game of the year across all the board levels, right? But they have so much talent and so many, so much great output already, like even just this year looking at it. And like when you start thinking about the fact that that Deathloop's going to come to Game Pass, it's going to be late, but it's going to eventually, right? Like there is an inherent value there. And that value is getting these super high quality games at a super high quantity in the hands of as many gamers as possible for cheap. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it very much depends on the angle you look at you look at it from because I think you make the good point that, you know, we we're we're not necessarily seeing the 2017 level Breath of the Wild or like a 2018 level God of War, but Deathloop, you know, is getting 10 out of 10s from IGN and GameSpot. And I I think if you're looking at I uh Xbox's slate of studios right now, I would say Arcane is their insomniac, right? Like Arcane just put out Deathloop, which is gonna be a hit, which is critically seemingly going to be the most uh critically successful game this year. And they're gonna follow that up with Redfall, and like hopefully that hits too. You know, that being from Arcane Austin means that it's going to, to follow in the footsteps of Prey. And I know quite a few people that love Prey, but Prey also wasn't like the big hit, but maybe that ends up changing in the way that Dishonored one and two were very were were amazing games for Dishonored fans, but I would say failed to reach the widely um, I guess like wide mainstream success. Deathloop has way more of the potential to do that, especially in this year when you look around and look at the the level of games in the context of which Deathloop is coming out. It's coming out as a PS5 exclusive game, right? In the first year that the PS5 is out. And the the main game that the PS5 has this fall. And it's a 10 out of 10 from IGN and GameSpot. Like Deathloop is in a place for not only critical success, but also mainstream sales success. And we'll see how that reflects. Either way, you know, going into whatever Arcane Leon's next game is, whether it's Deathloop 2 or not, Xbox is not going to hamper them being able to put out the follow-up to this game, right? If if Arcane Leon goes, we want to make Deathloop 2, that's even better than Deathloop 1, Xbox is not going to look at that and go, well, actually, well, actually, we want, to, we want you to make something that is more suitable for Game Pass. I think they look at that and they're like, yeah, fucking do it, because that's going to do so much for us and Game Pass and for the catalog as a whole, right? You look at, um, you know, Xbox's other studios, uh, I, what's the one that they keep calling the quadruple-A studio that's working on Perfect Dark? I expect Holy greatness from or initiative. initiative 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 i expect greatness from the initiative and i know that's based on purely nothing because all we've seen is the perfect yeah. dark trailer and them talk it up but like you gotta expect greatness based on how they've talked it up and the fact that they're working on perfect dark you look at you know starfield and that's that is going to be another traditional but that's the game studios game that's gonna Next be the year. follow up to skyrim and fallout 4 right like mm-hmm. We got to we we have to expect greatness from Microsoft Game Studios, and so I'm in the place where from from that angle, like I think they're in a really good place. I I think compare like comparing again like Bethesda Game Studios and now Arcane and these other studios to games like God of War, Spider Man, and Breath of the Wild. I think there's something to prove there, but I don't think they're beyond proving that. I think they're in a place where maybe they can, and we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. And and the thing is, we've been saying we'll see about Xbox for 10 years now, plus. Mm-hmm. So that's the only thing there. It's like at some point, the proof just has to be in the pudding of what they're doing. And I think that they have 
in my opinion, just proven that they're doing something different. And I applaud them for that. I think that we have never seen, and this has been since last year, since we really had a solidified vision of what the Xbox series is and what the PlayStation 5 is going to be. They're on different tracks, doing different things. And I think that every once in a while, those things can kind of overlap and align. But I think that regardless of any of that, the video game ethos is too ingrained in consumers that exclusives matter to an extent. And exclusives matter when with these third-party marketing and all that stuff. Like, that helps, mainly in marketing. Where it really matters is the first-party exclusives because that is where uh, there is a big push and there is an understanding of a library that to a lot of core gamers, they understand, oh, this is from PlayStation Studios. Well, I freaking loved Last of Us 2. So I'm going to give Ghost a shot because it's from the same pedigree, right? Xbox Game Studios has that too. They just need to keep pushing that way. And that's the thing what you're talking about of Deathloop 2 eventually coming out and being an Xbox exclusive, being part of that. It's like, yeah, the moment that they can have, well, Deathloop 1 was great. So we assume Deathloop, we're going to buy that because it's an Xbox yeah. Game Studio. I don't think Xbox Game Studios has earned that yet. Hmm. And I think that, I don't know that it ever will. And again, they're playing a different game because of Game Pass and because of the way everything's structured. But I hope that we see a day that Xbox Game Studios means the same thing that PlayStation Studios does or the Nintendo first party studios does for their first party exclusive lineup. See, I think I, I this is an interesting conversation because I think you're right. But I also don't know. I also don't know if we'll get there to where like, you, you know, you mentioned PlayStation Studios. Whenever whenever we see a PlayStation Studios logo pop up at the beginning of any trailer, there's a level of hype and excitement because, you know, we're looking forward to, oh, you know, even if it's a Ben Studios game, right? Like a PlayStation Studios logo four C's, there's still a level of expectation, even though yeah. Days Gone came out and it was like pretty average in terms of reviews, right? There's still going to be that level of, oh, but it's a PlayStation Studios game. And so we're looking forward to it. Xbox Game Studios, is they're in an interesting place because there's a, just a breadth of the types of games they're making in a way that Xbox Game Studios being at the beginning of a trailer could mean Forza Horizon 5. It could mean the next Elder Scrolls. It could mm -hmm. mean uh, uh, um, Hellblade 2, right? It, it could also mean, like, smaller games, right? Like, it could mean something from Double Fine. Like, there's a, there's a level of, I guess, diversity and breadth between them hitting the double a sphere but then going all the way up to the top of triple a and you know i guess i think they're fine with that especially with game pass right game pass is going to be the the breath of those games being allowed to exist and allowed to flourish on mm -hmm. that platform um but i think that puts them in a very interesting place of totally. we'll see how that works out like i think for them i would say that seems like a good strategy right to have that diversity in catalog yeah but yeah it, it does allow for them not having like that prestige branding that you associate with a nintendo or even a playstation at this point yeah and now having said that i know that we've said this a million times in the past but i can't wait to see them three years from now does xbox game studios mean something way more when we have had starfield when we've had elder scrolls 6 when we've had all these other games like at some point do they just does bethesda stop being uh, equal billing with Xbox Game Studios and instead put underneath them so that Xbox can really shine and mean what we're talking about? Or are they going with a different strategy? I don't know, but all the expectations are on them. They have a, a more killer lineup potential than ever in the coming years. So again, mm -hmm. the most exciting time to be a gamer of all time. We're in it. It's a very exciting time. Speaking of exciting things, let's talk about story number two. I'm branding this the Kev check-in. 
because whenever we have a Fortnite news story, uh, you find, for, for some reason they always land on blessing in ten days. And like you know, I like Fortnite fine. I don't think Tim cares about Fortnite whatsoever. But we do have the one and only Kevin Coelho who adores Fortnite, who plays Fortnite all the time. And so this is the Kev check in story number two. Fortnite season eight is all about cubes. I'm pulling from Andrew Webster at The Verge. Kev, I have a trailer you can play in the background without sound as I read through the story. It's the trailer for the uh, new season of Fortnite. The alien invasion is over, and now Fortnite's island is dot 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 full of cubes. Season 8 of the Battle Royale second chapter just launched, and it's called simply, quote, Cubed. The premise is pretty strange. According to developer Epic, the cubes that used to, po that used to power the giant alien mothership have now been set free to wreak havoc on the island. As with all new seasons, the update means a combination of new characters, locations, weapons, and even portals to transport players to a monster-filled realm. The launch follows an explosive live event that took place over the weekend. First, here's the basic story via Epic. Quote, the alien and IO war is over, but a new war has taken shape, one where you're, where you're a combatant. After Sloan, uh, or after Sloan double-crossed you and left you to perish on the mothership, the cubes that powered it are now free. These things are a bigger threat to the island than those aliens could have ever been. They have, they have no face, no speech, but they're sentient and have six sides of malice. I'm going to pause here and say that I understand none of these words, and I'm just hoping to dear God that this makes sense <laughs> to you and to you people who play Fortnite religiously and follow the story. If you think the corruption they've caused is bad now, uh, you have no idea what can happen if you let them stomp all over the island. It doesn't matter if you're a pro-alien or pro-IO, it'll take all the help we can get to keep the island from falling. It's up to everybody, including you, so take my information below and put it to good use and quote that's the end of the story synopsis from epic uh back to the verge the biggest change in chapter eight appears to be a new element called quote the sideways which is described as a quote dark malevolent monster filled reality which is spread by the cubes players can access it via portals in addition to the monsters it features low gravity and no building and it'll impact different island locations players will be able to uh to get a new crafting component from these uh, areas to create superpowered sideways weapons. This season also brings back some classic guns, including the automatic sniper rifle and harpoon gun. Uh, Kevin, I'm going to stop here. There are a couple more things to shout mm -hmm. out. Uh, but before I do, like one, does this make sense to you? Two, did you experience the event yesterday? Three, I, does this get you hyped? Unfortunately, I was not able to experience the event. I was out of town. Um, mm. The story, like, I don't think anyone has ever cared about the story about Fortnite. And I kind of feel like they don't either, but like, you know, whatever. I get they what they're put doing. A lot of work I into love it, seemingly. You know what I mean? <laughs> they, I, like, I just read a lot of words that I didn't yeah, understand, like, which they, is for me the telltale sign of they really tried with the story. Nah, I, I think it's more. I want to read they, Destiny. They they have an idea and they're like, ooh, how do we make this work? I like mm -hmm. I love that it's it's the sideways because it's you know it's got to be legally distinct. From the upside down. <laughs> oh, that's uh, funny. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, cool. Like, uh, I, am I excited about this? I, I really don't care about the different seasons. I, it sounds like we're gonna get a lot more bullshit that I don't want to deal with. But whatever. Hopefully, they get rid of some of that stuff. Some people in chat mm -hmm. are saying I'm wrong. I'm, I, you know, cool. You like the story about people caring about the story. Yeah, I'm in it for the for the wins. You know what I mean. Also, this is interesting. This is the whole the thing that was supposed to be the rock, and he's hanging out in the bottom of. Do the you ocean, think this means like. they'll finally bring in the rock? I don't know because it's not like he's, like lost his helmet. 
Oh, I see what you did there, Tim. Kind of, I guess. Damn. I also <laughs> also want to shout out uh, Kevin at the bottom of the news story in the doc. I have a couple of links uh, because they're adding in some yeah, new skins, that's, including that's the interesting stuff. Yeah, and so in the first look link, I have Tim look Fabio Sparklemane, Hell which yeah. is for audio listeners. It's like a, a standing stallion with just abs for days. These are some sexy or unicorns, I should say, not even stallion. These are some unicorns. No, still call the sexy stallion. I like that. Sexy stallion does have a nice ring to it. Uh, I love the one on the left, the black one with like the fiery red hair. That looks yeah. badass. Uh, and I don't know how to feel about this overall. This is awakening <laughs> something in me. <laughs> I like you. Like I love this, but I don't know how I feel about it. I, I, I love it in one way, just in like the absurdity of it. But like the another part of me is like. It's kind of sexual for Fortnite. I mean, Fortnite's been a lot of I mean, things. Yeah. I think it's always been Fortnite its strength. Fortnite has always been sexual. Like, you look at some of the butts <laughs> on these characters, it's intense. Like, if you're running behind Poison Ivy, you got a hell of a show. I Jesus feel that. Christ. I mean, these you're games, not wrong. You're not wrong at all. Because I play, I forget who it was. It might have been Chung Lee who I was running behind. Yeah, you play like, Chung Lee. That's damn. right. God damn. The, uh, uh, the way that this game has, like, continues to just kind of expand and change things up, like, I think that it's really cool that they have kind of done what mmos used to do like the world of warcraft age or like the everquest and all that stuff of like the like just content drops coming to the people that are invested being there but made it mainstream and not just mainstream but the most mainstream thing ever where this game just keeps kind of reinventing itself and adding a bunch of things and it, it's interesting that like obviously if it has star wars or marvel characters something kevin's gonna be more interested than just like a bunch of well Tim, you know, speaking of that you have another link here if you can pull it up kevin uh i believe i don't know if this is leaked or official but it seems like they are adding in a bunch more characters for the new season including carnage which you can see on the left kevin does that do kevin's favorite i mean i i like literally just bought venom like three days ago but now you have so... the better venom carnage I mean, I, honestly, that's the red me, one, Kevin. That's the red one. This makes me excited. Like, I am. Is that movie going to be terrible? And do I not want to support it in any way? Sure, yeah, hundred percent. But if I get a free skin out of it, that's that's carnage. Like, I'm down to play with them. You know what I mean, you know what I'm saying? Fair enough. That's fair enough. Yeah, no, like they do have the. I mean, Tim, I'm with you, right? They're like they've done a really cool thing in terms of the events, right? That like. You know, inherently kind of started off as an MMO thing, right? With like live games coming to fruition like over a decade ago. But now, like Fortnite has really adopted it in a way where they've mainstreamized MMO events in a way mm -hmm. that like is really cool and really fascinating. And, you know, I didn't realize that the event was happening yesterday, but like I was, you know, like I had plans to hang out with a friend and they messaged me back and they were like, hey, uh, unfortunately, I have to cancel because Fortnite is doing a thing, and I forgot that Fortnite's doing a thing. And I was like, "Fair." I, I, for a split second, I was like, "Should I tune into the Fortnite event?" And <laughs> I don't even care about Fortnite events like that, but I know it's a big enough thing and an exciting enough thing that it is appointment viewing in this strange way. Where if if you like games, period, I know there are plenty of people that hate on Fortnite because it's popular, and I understand all that. But you know, if you're tuned in and you know that's happening, you know, you it, if you miss a Fortnite event, it almost it almost does feel like you're missing. Um, like a pop culture moment in video games, which is wild. I feel like I don't respect the Fortnite events. I don't think Damn. like they're worth watching. Like the what the the big one Galactus recently. I was yeah, very like, oh, stoked we for that, it. right? Yeah, I was very stoked for it, but then it was also like ten minutes and like uh, you just point and click some stuff, and it's like oh well, that wasn't really worth it. I didn't even get any like random loot from it. Um, so I don't I don't think it's a huge deal. I, I'm more excited for like today when we turn it on and it's like, what does the map look like? What am I dealing with? Like, 
what new mm-hmm. bullshit. Hopefully, they take some of the old bullshit out. You know. <laughs> See, I would, inc- I would still include that in there, right? Like, I feel like it is a good, all-encompassing like marketing move of okay cool we're doing this event we're shutting the game down we put it back up and there's a whole new thing for fortnite yeah, fans who may not have cared is, about this thing the the event they'll do the event and then shut it down for like a night and yeah. it's like well damn you just wasted all the steam you should have shut it down yesterday do, done the event and then immediately been like Hold all right, right the update's it. live that would make way more sense but instead they i wonder don't do that. i wonder if they sure. will one day like i wonder like that that's nah, i heard they're afraid too, i heard they're makes too much sense. scared but I think it's just so it's it's the excuse of being able to shut down servers so you can prep things, right? Like it's them. Did you just say Donald Mustard is scared? <laughs> that killed him. Kevin knows his name. I can pull that out. It's fucking hilarious to me. <laughs> Number one Fortnite fan, Kevin Koala. You love God, you gotta it. love it. But Kevin, uh, one one last thing because we were on this long. Did you not tune into the to the, the Ariana Grande event? Because I saw that all over Twitter. Right, like people, I, people from so, what for what I can gather as an outside looker, these events are a hit because whenever they happen, I see them all the, over yeah, Twitter, especially the when there's a concert going on. I, I, uh, that I think is very different, but yeah, I did miss that. I did miss that. Okay. I, I just okay. don't have like the the sort of schedule that it lends itself to. Like, okay, it's eleven a.m. on a Sunday. I'm gonna turn on the Ariana Grande event. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair, Kevin. That's how she says her name, Tim. <laughs> Fucking Google it. We should respect her and her wishes. I don't call you Geddes. You know what else we should respect? Patreon.com slash games. Remember, that's where you can go to get the show ad-free. And speaking of ads, let us tell you about our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by HBO Max. If you're here, you probably love video games, but sometimes we have to face the cold, hard truth. We can't game all the time. Sometimes we got to kick back and watch some movies and some TV too. So it's a good thing HBO Max is here to save the day with all of your favorite DC content. HBO Max has an expansive superhero collection to feed your fandom. Greg Miller is stoked, of course. They've got Wonder Woman. They got Justice League, Stargirl, Batwoman, HBO, Shazam, Suicide Squad. The list goes on, of course. Plus, the streaming platform lets you download your favorite titles and take them with you on the go. All the bingeable collections handpicked by humans, not robots. Personally, I've been enjoying a whole bunch of different things uh, over on HBO. I love all the day and date releases. We know we got The Matrix now coming out in December. That's really exciting to look forward to. We got Malignant. I'm about to watch that this weekend. Check out some of the best superhero content and so much more only on HBO Max. Get streaming today by going to hbom.ax slash kindoffunnydc. That's hbom.ax slash kindoffunnydc. Next up, shout out to Rooster Teeth's Last Laugh Season 2. I was a huge fan of Season 1, mainly because my boy Alfredo was in it. But Season 2, can't wait for it. Here's the whole pitch for it. Do not laugh. It's part game show, part social experiment, 100% evil laugh challenge, spectacular. Last Laugh returns for a second season with 12 contestants gathered for six hours to see who literally laughs last. If they laugh, smile, or smirk, they're eliminated and prevented from dethroning Season 1 champion the homie blaine gibson uh the host of the show jeff ramsey and elise willem so that's super awesome they have a new collection of surprises but will there be enough to break the contestants we'll have to find out uh last laugh season two debuts september 9th on rooster teeth but you can catch up on all of season one right now and then i said fucking mustard i prefer ketchup
Kevin, no. No. <laughs> he has to be stopped. <laughs> He's on a roll today, everybody. Story number three. Let's talk about Nintendo uh, Switch dropping the price for this uh, for the model in Europe. I jumbled that sentence, but you know what I said. Uh, Daniel, this is from Danielle Pardis at gamesindustry.biz. Nintendo has dropped the retail price for the base Switch console in the UK and mainland Europe. The standard price of the unit on the, the official Nintendo store is now £260, a £20 decrease from the previous price of £280. The new pricing leaves the base model sitting between the cost of a Switch Lite, which retails at £200, and the upcoming Switch OLED, which is slated to cost £310 at launch. From that, I'm going to pull from Tom Phillips at Eurogamer, who got a statement from Nintendo on the matter. Nintendo has explained today's original Switch model price change in Europe and said it is a reflection of both currency exchange rates and the upcoming launch of the Nintendo Switch OLED. Quote, Nintendo of Europe is changing the the European uh, trade price of the Nintendo Switch console to retailers, a company spokesperson told Eurogamer this morning. Quote, more than four and a half years after its first release, Nintendo Switch continues to have strong sales momentum in Europe. After carefully weighing up a variety of factors, including currency exchange rates in Europe and the upcoming launch of Nintendo Switch OLED model, we've decided that now was the appropriate time to, to change the European trade price of Nintendo Switch. The trade prices of Nintendo Switch Lite and the upcoming Nintendo Switch OLED model are not affected. End quote. Tim, ma fucking Gettys. One, is this a surprise to you? Two, do you think this does anything for Switch prices in the, in the uh, US as well? Yeah, I would say this does surprise me. Um, I didn't necessarily expect a price drop to come with this. And if it did, I thought it would have been announced with the OLED announcement. Mm-hmm. Um, it, what Europe means for America, I don't necessarily mean think this is a guarantee that it's going to happen. Um, I do think that the OLED pricing where we're at now with the Switch, the Switch Lite and the Switch OLED is interesting. Where it's like there, I feel there could be a little bit more... Uh, disparity between it especially when you compare the oled price now rivaling the xbox series s and like other like major next gen consoles um so i wouldn't be surprised but we're just in a weird place with the switch that i guarantee nintendo doesn't want to be which is you know hardware is already hard enough to put out they're putting out this oled model they have the light and the switch core is just kind of there at this point and I would not be surprised if they phase that out. I just don't think they're in a place to phase it out quite yet. But I think ideally they would have phased it out already. Uh, but a great way to phase a product out is to have a price drop. We see it happen with Apple all the time. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to utter some words that utter have been, haven't been uttered in a while. Uh, the words are Switch Pro, Tim. Mm-hmm. When, when are we going to see that thing? I mean, I, Can like, we I see just... that thing? No, 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 no. There will be a Switch Pro. I, I totally, totally believe that we will. I just don't know at this point when that's going to be. Um, and you know, I'm so excited that this OLED's coming out. Like we're less than a month away now from getting our hands on this thing, and I'm so excited that that's how I'm going to play Metroid Dread. Like when that game comes out, I'm going to get to play uh, a 2D Metroid game in bed on an OLED screen. Let's fucking go. Uh, but there's just still so many little things that are kind of a bummer. Like I. I booted up my switch to play WarioWare, which you can check out our review on the games cast last week um so i was playing through and just once again like just dumb little things that at the end of the day don't really matter but the ui being the resolution it is mm. it makes the switch experience feel lesser than and like there was a video that came out uh recently of somebody using the simu uh emulator for uh 
Breath of the Wild running with ray tracing and like in 4K and it was fucking gorgeous, bless. Fucking gorgeous. I can't imagine. The the things I would do for a Nintendo Switch or for a Nintendo uh console hardware that would run in the same uh like run run at the same rate of like a PS5 or an Xbox series. Like mm-hmm. God, I couldn't imagine being able to play a Breath of the Wild game that is 60 FPS, 4K, yep. ray tracing. That, that was part of my uh, uh, No More Heroes 3 problem was like so much of that game. I think my problems would have been eliminated if that game ran on just better hardware. Right. Like so much of it had to do with how the game looked and, and ran. And that game feels like a game that exists in the early 2010s as opposed to a game that is coming out in 2021 that I am playing alongside something like a death loop or I'm playing alongside just other action games, right? Something like a devil may cry five. Um, so yeah, I, I, that, that switch pro couldn't come soon enough, but I also know it's the thing of switches are still selling switch OLEDs are going to sell, right? Like the Nintendo is not in a rush to put out these things as long as people keep showing up for them and people keep showing up for them because Nintendo knows how to put out games for their own hardware, right? Like they know how to put out quality products. Pokemon uh, brilliant diamond is going to be a hit, right? Like those games are going to sell Pokemon legends are, are Arceus, Arceus. They say it different every time. Pokemon yeah. legends I is Arceus. RCS Pokemon Legends is going to kill it, right? And that's another game that I look at and I'm like, man, I wish this was on a pro console. <laughs> I wish this was on a console with better specs. But, you know, until un- un- until they have a reason to release it, they're probably not going to release it. Um, and by the time they release it, you know, that'll by the time they release it, we'll probably have seen even more of a jump in terms of like what contemporary consoles are doing in terms of fidelity and how games look and, you know, what what how games are looking on Unreal Engine 5 and all these other things. And so... We shall see. We shall. One. Yeah, it's it's such a bummer. You know, I've been a Nintendo fan my whole life, so I, I know this journey well. And there was that. There was always the thing of Nintendo consoles feeling a little less powered. Even back, like the N64 had its concessions made because of the cartridges compared to discs. And then going to GameCube, it was a similar thing where the GameCube was never the best looking of the multi-platform titles. But it really made use of those first-party titles where, like, the water in Mario Sunshine, the fur in Star Fox Adventures. Like, they really knew what they were doing with the hardware they had. And then with the Wii forward, obviously, we understand uh, the choices they made. But it was always interesting to me that art style is king, and it still is king. Oh, and Breath of, of the Wild's a perfect example of that. But still, when you have an art style with modern tech sensibilities, you get things like this, Kevin. If you could hit play, please. Jesus fucking Christ! <laughs> I, it's, it's, it blows my mind, because Breath of the Wild is one of those games where playing it in 2017... I was like, this is one of the best looking games I've played. And that was purely from an art direction, art style standpoint. And I, was, I stand by that for the most part. Like when I boot up my Switch and I walk in, around in Breath of the Wild, I'm like, this game still looks stunning. But you do notice the things. You still notice the jaggies on the characters. You still notice uh, like th- those things here and there that very much feel like the hardware pulling it back as opposed to like the game not having a great vision. Breath of the Wild has such a good vision. But when you look at this video that you're showing us right here, which is Breath of the Wild running with uh, ray tracing, uh, and you did you? I forget, was it 4K as well? Technically, this is 8K, but like even what we're watching is a compressed version on YouTube, and I yeah. think I've even pulled it up. It's not even on the full settings because we can't show it like that over the stream, but like it's gorgeous, and it's just the game just with better tech to support it, right? And that's why I'm holding out for uh, a, a Switch Pro, and I think that we'll get one. Like Nintendo has invested too much in the Switch and in, in building this uh, 
kind of the market where we've seen it with the PlayStation 4 where we make the argument of why would Sony want to move on from the PS4 so quickly when there aren't enough PS5s in the wild and there are 115 million or whatever PS4s. It's the same thing with the Switch. I imagine they're going to want to stick with this ecosystem for as long as possible, if not forever. And that just in some ways has to hold things back. But I'm hoping, I'm hoping that in the same way that the Lite was their ultra portable Switch version and now the OLED is still a it only really adds enhancements for portable. The OLED means nothing if it's docked, right? Yeah. It's the exact same thing. So it's like I'm hoping that we get a more home-focused one for people that that want that. But anyways. Tim, for now, let's talk about story number four. Uh, multiple little big planet servers are shutting down. I'm pulling from Taylor Lyles at IGN. After months of issues, the team responsible for the upkeep of Little Big Planet announced today that several several game servers have been shut down permanently. In a tweet posted on the official Little Big Planet account, the development team confirmed that the servers for the PS3 versions of Little Big Planet 1 through 3, as well as the PS Vita version of Little Big Planet, have been shut down permanently, citing a decision to ensure the game <clears throat> the game's quote online environment remains safe, end quote. The statement also notes that the developer has rolled out game update 1.27 for the PS4 version of Little Big Planet 3, which will remain playable online. The latest update restores the Little Big Planet online server to the PS4 game, meaning over 10 million community levels are playable again. Those levels are inclusive of all content created for the entire mainline Little Big Planet series, as the games are tethered together such that Little Big Planet 3 players can play any user-created levels, including ones from the first two games. Despite that update, the news is a major blow for the Little Big Planet community with fans in the replies of the announcement tweet expressing sadness that they will not have a chance to play Little Big Planet 1 and 2 in the same way again. The server shutdown doesn't render the games totally unplayable, single player campaigns remain playable, and users can create their own levels but they can no longer upload or download levels. Some fans have replied sharing memories they have, uh, they have of playing the games and creating their own levels. Uh, and this is one that's pretty much the video game circle of life. Am I right, Tim? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It has to happen at some point. It's always a sad thing to see, especially for a game that is so community-focused and, and user-created based. Uh, but it makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense, especially when they, they cite here online helping the or ensuring the online environment remains safe. And I'm not sure entirely what that means. I assume it probably means curation of content, like stuff that's inappropriate, stuff that they you know managing that stuff making sure that it is not abusive content on the platform that's what i assume it might mean something more than that but uh reading that that's what that reads like to me and i totally understand the fact that hey you kind of have to constantly keep a team devoted to this thing in order to have it uh in order to have it upkeep right in order to have it stay online and if if you know we're a decade past the releases of little big planets one and two and you do have little big planet three that exists that keep those those levels alive I get why you do this or why you have to do this eventually. Of course, it's always a sad story, but it also makes sense um, mm. with the inevitability of things. Tim, let's round out mm -hmm. the Roper Report with story number five. Hideo Kojima wants to make games that change in real time. This is Tom Ivan at VGC. Hideo Kojima uh, has said he wants to create games that change in real time. In an interview with Japanese publication... Anon, uh, the Miller Solid and Death Stranding creator was asked how he'd like to evolve his games in the future. Quote, what I want to do is make games that change in real time, he said. 
People of all ages and professions are playing the same game, but everyone is playing the same way. Instead, it's something that changes depending on where you live and how you feel about it. I made a game called Boktai, The Sun Is In Your Hand Before. <laughs> it's a portable Game Boy Advanced. Uh, it's a portable Game Boy Advance with a sun sensor. Oh, there's a typo in there. I'm going to say it's a portable Game Boy Advanced game with a sun sensor and a clock. The amount of light from the sun is reflected in the game to defeat vampires, so the game changes depending on where and when you play. This kind of device connects the system uh, created by people to the real world, end quote. Kojima, who turned 58 years old in August, marked the occasion by vowing to continue creating for as long as possible. Quote, although my body is failing me, my creativity is not winning yet, he said. Until my brain loses its creative power, I'll continue to strive to create things. That's my instinct, and that's what I love to do, end quote. Tim, how do you feel about that? I feel great about that, Bless. I love that Kojima's tweeting as much as he is. I love that me and you seem to talk about it a lot on this show. I yep. love that this weekend after the Matrix 4 trailer came out, he had a whole thread about his thoughts on it. And Bless, I don't think I've ever wanted something more than Hideo Kojima's thoughts on the Matrix. <laughs> it oh my is God, yeah. crazy shit. God bless it. Uh, and here we are, him saying that, like, that he's going to keep creating until he can't do it anymore. That's what we need for people like Hideo Kojima, man. That's what he wants. That is what he wants to do with his life. And God bless it. Let's go. I hope that we get a lot more weird and wacky things. I also hope that we get some things that make a little bit more sense uh, for my sensibilities. But you know what? That's kind of how art works right like at some of point that your favorite artists are going to be doing something different but that's something different is going to mean as much as the thing you loved to you to somebody else so that's great exactly i love that tim i'm excited to play the next hideo kojima game but the release of that game is probably just so far away if i went it was coming out to mom drop shops today where'd i look the official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the kind of funny games daily show host each and every weekday out today we got nothing there's nothing out today it's one of those rare mondays where we got nothing on the list yeah but we do have a new date for you lens island is coming to steam early access for pc and mac on november 5th 2021 remember you can go to patreon.com slash kind of funny games where you can get the show ad free but you can also get your questions read on the show just like parker Begale did parker writes in and says hey kind of funny crew i need everyone's help but mostly tim i finally locked in a ps5 and a series x but i have no clue where to start with tv and monitors and i want to take full advantage of the consoles what should i look into should i wait until black friday sales what should i pay attention to for specs cheers everyone parker b tim the floor is yours. The answer is simple. It's the LG OLED series. You want the C1 series or the CX series. Either way, you're going to be totally, totally fine. Uh, by the time you're talking about this, we're going to be looking at the the c2 series which will be next year's at some point so any of those are going to be totally fine for you there's a lot of tvs you can get that are going to be great but nothing as a gamer is going to rival that experience i could not recommend it more it is literally the one thing that i'm like yes it costs more than a lot of tvs it's getting down to the point that we're talking about 1200 can get you one of the greatest tvs ever made and if you're the type of person that's buying a ps5 and a series x it's going to be worth the extra time and money to, to get one of these things. My advice, go as big as you possibly can, budget permitting, because you're going to regret not going higher if you have the means and desire to, because you're going to want to. And um, I have not seen a single person not say that this is one of the best investments they've ever made. If you give a shit about playing games at all 
and you want you care about tech you care about any of that stuff like it's going to be worth the investment and i know so at this point tens of people that have got it based on my recommendation and every single one of them is just like you were fucking right so there you go check it out lg oled series c1s uh are, have a couple gaming features for like just making these a little bit easier for switching between consoles and, and system settings and stuff but honestly you're gonna get a a very 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 damn uh good experience with the cx as well um and you can pretty much tweak it to do anything the c1 can you can probably get it for a couple hundred dollars cheaper though so if that means something to you go with that but i'd recommend the c1 you heard it here first. Now it's time to squat up. Geek Create writes in the squat up and says, uh, I did the squat up a, while, a, a long while back at the end of November 2020 and didn't get any takers. <clears throat> but now that Blessing has picked it up, he noted that a lot of kind of funny best friends have been getting into the game, which I think is great. This is where I'm going to pause here and realize that he didn't put the game into this actual write-up. Uh, he's talking about Genshin Impact on PC Mobile, PlayStation 4, and PlayStation 5 for crossplay. Geek Create continues, I'm adventure level... 54 so if you're newer to the game you probably won't be able to join my world but i can join yours i have maxed out characters and characters that need more love so whether you want me to fucking wreck a boss you're having a hard time with or to use a character more on poor more on par with your world level i can do either and if you're an og like me we can also vibe everybody go play some genshin impact with geek create you can add them with the uid 612 zero four zero five seven three that is six one two zero four zero five seven three if you want to play with geek create who is adventure rank 54 of course you can go to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong where you write in let us know what we got wrong as we got it wrong so we can correct it for those watching later on youtube.com slash games and on podcast services around the globe nanobiologist writes in and says kf polo when and i have the same question tim kf polo when that's actually a really damn good question. I mean, here, here's the answer, Bless. We got to build mm. this up more. We got to build up the, the legacy of the Blessing mm. Polo. And what we need to do this. is it needs to be a Blessing collab. This needs to be like oh, a, you know, the Bless. What is the Blessing Polo? Mm, right? I love this. Think about it. Think about, I'll think it. about it. I'll think about it. If you have ideas out there, I, feel free to tweet at me. I'll relay them to Tim. That sounds great. Quick, what up? The, the Blessing Show doesn't have any merch. Oh man, you are absolutely right. I love where we're at right now. So, yeah, I think love about where it. We're at. Let's go. <laughs> uh, Kebab writes in and says, A 10 isn't perfect at IGN. On the IGN scale, a 10 is a masterpiece. Uh, I appreciate that. I did refer to it as perfect, which, like, 10 out of 10, you know, you can easily just say you said it was score. a perfect score. Yeah. It is a perfect score. Yeah. Uh, Kebabs also writes in to say, uh, Today, IGN has given out 24 tens. This is not count. The 12 or so 10 out of 10s that one reviewer gave to a number of Game Boy games in the early days. And then Nanobiologist writes in to say, what Kevin wants with an event to kick off the season has happened. With the start of season six, it started with an event on boot up that kicked off the event. Uh, it's the one where Peely got Hadoukened by Ken. So take that, Kevin. Hey, real quick. Sorry, it's Greg Miller. Kind of funny.com. How is everybody today? Fantastic. Pretty good. Good. I just had a quick live you're wrong if you don't mind sorry mm -hmm. uh tim mentioned how the blessing show doesn't have any merch and i thought as my episode is the most successful episode of the blessing show i should come in and maybe have a say in what the polo looks like and of course as the king of halloween who knows Jesus. what the real halloween colors are i would say it should be an orange and black polo tim i just like to put that out there for everybody listen 
I, for one, would love an orange and black ball. <laughs> yeah, but you'd think it was Easter colors because you don't know anything. <laughs> because I, have, I for one, have always known orange and black to be the Halloween colors. And so, like, as somebody who, you know, I don't proclaim to be the king of Halloween. I'm just a guy who loves Halloween. The audience proclaims to be, <laughs> no, proclaims to be the king of Halloween. That's not happening at all. It's and weird so, Halloween like, smoke on this that matter. It doesn't matter. Blessing show. I'm the most successful one. Orange and black polo. Thank you, Tim. Good night. God damn. Why, why is he coming in here and like, like monster? Why did he a say good night? Why did he say ah, 11 a.m.? Yeah, everything yeah. about it is upsetting. It is 11 a.m. right now, and I know Greg knows that. It's not like he's in the fucking different time coast or whatever the fuck. This week's hosts are kind of funny games daily are on Tuesday. You're getting Greg and Gary Witta. On Wednesday, you're getting me and Andy. On Thursday, you're getting Timor and Tim for a Tim Tam Thursday. Then on Friday, you're getting Greg and myself. If you're watching this live on Twitch, after this is Mike. And Nick. No, no, before nope. that, it's oh. a Hawkeye trailer reaction. Let's go, man. Hell yeah. And then after that, you're going to get some Mike and Nick playing some video games. And we'll catch that stream later. Of course, you can go to kind of funny. No, you can go to youtube.com slash kind of funny plays for the stream. If you want the reacts, of course, go to youtube.com slash kind of funny. Remember, this has been kind of funny games daily each and every weekday live right here on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. We have a Patreon post show for those that are subbed at the silver level of patreon.com slash kind of funny games. So stick around for that. Otherwise, until next time, game daily. <laughs>